Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 66, Lost Magic. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. How you doing, Pete? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. What's going on? I'm thinking if the number two now means three, then yes, we are three guys. However, we're we're down one tonight. We are down one tonight. I think Matt is dreaming about Disney World right now, so I think that's where he is. You know, the holiday season is tough for all three of us to get on the same page as when we're available with all the family and friends and festivities. So Pete and I were ready to roll, and we wanted to get you guys an episode, and this is uh, is the time we're going to do it. So here we are. It is. So... I'm not going to talk about the topic for tonight quite yet. We're going to go through the news first, and then we'll we'll segue right into the topic. I want before we hit the news. I want to make one correction from a couple podcasts ago. We were discussing Christmas at Disney and decorations, and we inaccurately said they do not begin decorating until after Thanksgiving. We are incorrect on that. Uh, it was something we both called after the episode. However. Uh, one of our good friends who is a loyal listener actually pointed it out to us and wanted to thank her uh, because we certainly strive to give you the most accurate news we can uh, and, and steer you the right way with Disney World. So they actually start Christmas decorating now right after Halloween. So th- Thanksgiving is almost the forgotten holiday, if, uh, if, if we could use that term, because Disney is moving right from Halloween to Christmas, and no one would argue uh, that those are the two most themed holiday seasons for Disney World. So did want to hit that before we hit the news, just so everyone's aware we did have a mistake, but wanted to pass that along to you. So moving to the news, Uh, going to Hollywood Studios first. Disney Junior Dance Party opens at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Just in time for the holiday rush, the new Disney Junior Junior Dance Party has opened at Disney's Hollywood Studios. This is a character-based show featuring plenty of familiar faces. Uh, You'll see some folks from Mickey and the Roadster Racers, uh, Doc McStuffins, The Lion Guard, and the newest hit series, Vampirina. And it is hosted by new characters, Finn Fiesta and DJ, who involve guests in all the fun. I feel like you've mentioned this once before that it was going to be opening. And you mentioned The Lion Guard, and I give you a look because I had no clue what The Lion Guard is. But I, I've since found out. So The Lion Guard is a sequel to The Lion King, and it actually is focused around Simba and Nala's son. In case you were wondering what the Lion Guard was, that's what it is. Yeah, it definitely tripped me up the first time. As you guys know, Pete does have a daughter, but I I do not have a child, and I don't think Pete's daughter's at the age where she is watching the Lion Guard. So the first time we mentioned this, we both were kind of like, huh? You know, what is the Lion Guard? But uh, thank you for the synopsis there. Staying with uh, Disney News, this is one I am really excited about. It's, it's, it's in our general... Uh, news section for the evening. Disney announces a new four-part magic ticket. So beginning January 18th of 2019, guests will be able to purchase the brand new four-day, four-park magic value ticket uh, at roughly $85 per day plus tax. The four-park magic ticket will include one-day admission to Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and of course Animal Kingdom uh, for a total of four admissions over four separate days. Interestingly enough, this will, the pricing will vary by season for this. Uh, so just to give you an example, January 18th to March 1st of 2019, uh, I believe it is $85 per person per adult uh, plus tax. 
and it must be used within seven days from the first use. So you don't have to go four straight days. You can, you know, if you live down in that area, you're going to be in the area a while, you could go, uh, you know, kind of stretch out your trip over a week if you'd like. There's pricing out now as well for March, uh, roughly March 2nd to September 30th. Again, there's some dates that kind of fluctuate in there, but it's about 89 per per person, or rather per adult per day. And then the last one pricing we've seen is from May t- uh, 28th to August 18th, uh, which does kind of overlap with some of the other dates, and that was 95 per day per adult. So that was probably very confusing. Uh, it's roughly 340 to 380 depending on the time of year you go, in total for your four-day ticket plus tax. Uh, in general, kids are about $5 per day cheaper. But Pete, this is a good deal. This is something that I wish was available for the trip we're going on in 15 days. And wish we would have obviously not bought our tickets by this point. But any thoughts on the new ticket? Yeah, I think this is the cheapest that tickets have been in a long time. So if, if this lines up with your travel plans, I think it's a great idea to buy them. Yeah, totally agree with you, Pete. Uh, ne- next bit of news we have. Disney purchases a new large off-site land parcel. This has been a long time since Disney's done this, uh, where they're buying new parcels of land. Uh, it looks like they have acquired publicly... Uh, a, a publicly known piece of land, BK Ranch parcel. Uh, it's about 10 miles away from Walt Disney World. It was about, mm, purchased for about $23 million and finalized a couple weeks ago. I can only imagine this is in a conservation effort. I do not believe this to be in addition to a park or a new theme park or a new anything. I, I would believe this is you know Disney continuing the conservation efforts, but I guess we'll continue to see. Yeah, that's what I've heard too, is that this is... This is not, they're not going to build a new park on this land, anything like that. And, and and nor do they really need this land to build a new park. I mean, they've got plenty of space to expand, you know, based on the land that they have now. So I think, again, like you said, this is, uh, this is something altogether different. And our last bit of news, Pete, revolves around something that if you follow Disney in any capacity on Twitter, Instagram, podcast, you've probably heard about this. It, it, it comes to Epcot. It comes to something that may be a teaser for our topic tonight. But Buzzy, the audio animatronic from Cranium Command, has been stolen from Epcot. Someone or a group, something, went in the old attraction, walked right out of the park with Buzzy, the uh, audio animatronic from Cranium Command. This is bananas to me. Well, so a, a couple of points on this. I mean, this first off, this animatronic is huge, right? So like, it's not like somebody walked into this pavilion took this and walked out the front gate of the park. This was obviously kind of an inside job. I mean, there had to be some cast members involved because this would be really noticeable coming out the front of the park. Second, the person who did it had, I mean, literally all they did was go in and cut the hydraulic lines because I've read a couple of reports now that there was hydraulic fluid all over the floor from where where the lines were cut. Not somebody that had a whole lot of knowledge about the attraction other than knowing, hey, you need to cut these lines. But yeah, how ridiculous is this? I'm trying to figure out the weight of Buzzy because I, I just don't know how you get him out of the park. Well, from from what I've read, it is it would have taken at least two people to carry it out. I mean, I I think several hundred pounds. It's a shame. I mean, that that's something that I believe Disney was keeping to put. You know, there's obviously been rumors that hey, we're going to go back to Cranium Command. I, I don't think that maybe would ever happen. But I, I'm pretty sure Disney was taking this to to keep it as a um, a Disney treasure. I don't know. I mean, they haven't done anything with this in how long? Since the Wonders of Life Pavilion closed, right? It's just been kind of sitting there in place. So who knows? I mean, it's been 11 years now, 
I think, 12 years, something like that, since it closed? It had, uh, Cranium Command closed in... 2007, I think? 2007, I believe you're right. Yep, it, it went seasonal in 2004 and closed in 2007. So... I don't think Disney's done anything with this since then. But regardless, that doesn't give anybody the right to go in and, and take this. I mean, it, it pretty much takes the option of Cranium Command opening again off the table permanently. I just still think it's unbelievable. I wish I had it, honestly. I wish we. I wish my wife and I had. And we don't, but Buzzy from Cranium Command posted up in our house. Well, that, that does lead right into our topic for tonight. So we're going to be talking about our favorite lost attractions at Disney World. So these are going to be attractions that have closed over the years that have been repurposed to something else. But I think mostly just closed is is what we tried to focus on. So before we get into that, let's pause for just a minute here to hear from our sponsors. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Destinations with Character Travel Agency is your one-stop shop for Disney vacations, cruises, and more. With clients ranging from the magic makers of Hollywood to the business executives of New York to families from all over the U.S., people trust the travel consultants of Destinations with Character to make their magical dreams a reality with the patience, care, and attention to detail they deserve. With over 50 years of experience in Disney and worldwide travel, are over 30 travel consultants trained to give the best prices and service possible. Destinations with Character has the tools to make the difference for you. Find out how to take the stress and hassle out of your vacation. Simply contact them to let the magic begin. Destinations with Character Travel, making dream vacations come true every single day. Visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them at info at destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure to tell them that the Men Do WDW podcast sent you. All right, so let's get right into our topic here. And and again, we're going to be talking about Disney Lost Treasures. And this was kind of difficult to, to narrow this list down. I started off with a pretty big list. So first I realized, well, we've already done an entire episode on The Great Movie Ride. So I can't really talk about that on this episode, even though that is my number one lost attraction at this point. And all listeners, please realize why he's saying he cannot talk about it. He just talked about it. So he made sure he mentioned The Great Movie Ride as one of his lost treasures. Of course, I wasn't going to not bring it up, but it is my number one lost treasure. The elephant in the room is The Great Movie Ride. Every episode, that's the elephant in the room. So I also, like, I initially thought, okay, well, I'm going to talk about Maelstrom here because, you know, I really enjoyed Maelstrom. I really miss Maelstrom. I went back and watched a ride video of Maelstrom. It is not good. Like, it was not a great ride. Also, listeners, I took sick pleasure in Pete having to admit that he's been giving this too much hype. 
uh, since we've been doing our podcast. I, I mean, I think I was just angry that they replaced it with Frozen, but it was not that great of a ride to begin with. Wow. You're growing up, Pete. I'm going to maybe admit Maybe that. once you find another replacement for, for Great Movie Ride and you ride the attraction, maybe you'll agree that Great Movie Ride wasn't that great after all. I will never admit Great Movie Ride wasn't that great. That will always be top five rides at Disney World for me. Well, now that we've now that we've passed the two uh, namesakes that constantly come up on our podcast, what is your first attraction? Uh, a lost treasure, I guess the way you put it. So we're going to do three each attractions. And... I- I don't really know that I want to rank these, but we'll, we'll just go back and forth. So the first one that I want to talk about is the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Submarine Voyage. Now, Tom, did you ever get to ride this? It, it closed in 94, so maybe in a little before your time. I, I'm aging myself, but no, 94 would have been before. My first Disney trip was in 96. So I rode this on, I believe it was my first Disney trip, which was... I think 91. And this was pretty much an original attraction to Disney World. It it opened in 1971. It actually opened a couple, I think it was a couple of weeks after after Magic Kingdom opened. um, But this was pretty much an original attraction for Walt Disney World. And and this was a replica of what was in Disneyland. So there was a submarine voyage in Disneyland too. But Disney themed this to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So just to give a brief overview of the ride, I can remember seeing these submarines and they were ugly looking. They looked like the Nautilus in Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea movie. They were kind of a dingy gray color. They weren't really attractive, but when you got on, and these things were big. I mean, they held, I think, 40 people or 30 people or something like that apiece. So they were big. So you got on this submarine, everybody crowded in, everybody got close to the windows, and you you went underwater. And you didn't really go underwater because these subs were, were pretty much just glass bottom boats. But they used a really cool effect where they, they shot up a bunch of bubbles and it looked like you were descending into the water. And you went through a whole bunch of scenes. You saw a bunch of sea creatures. You saw like a, a ship graveyard. You went through an undersea storm into into a cave. You know, you went to the North Pole. You saw a bunch of icebergs. And then you went to, the, you know, the most famous scene that everybody knows about in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And that is the battle with the giant squid. And, and after that, that was pretty much the end of the ride. I don't remember a ton about this ride. I do remember going underwater and seeing the bubbles and seeing the effects and thinking, wow, this is really cool. We're really going deep under the water. When In reality, you're like two or three feet under the water. So I can't comment much on the actual attraction uh, from a first-person standpoint because I've never ridden this attraction, to my knowledge. Uh, my mom is a listener, and sometimes she will text me and say, yes, you did do that as a child. But to my knowledge, I did not ride this attraction. However, from everyone who that I know who has, it sounded like it was amazing. It was. And, and the reason that Disney closed it it was a it was a pain to maintain. I mean, you think about you've got this giant underwater tank with underwater animatronics with boats that are going underwater constantly. It was a nightmare for them to maintain this. And so in 1994, late 94, it shut down for maintenance and it never reopened. The crazy thing to me is that it stayed around for so long. Like it was everything was still in place for so long. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much just left this here until it became Ariel's Grotto which was 2000, 2001, something like that. And then and then this this whole area was demolished when they when they redid Fantasyland, when New Fantasyland opened. And so this ride is where was where Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is today. Yeah, it's uh that's absolutely wild. And I and I wish I would have had a chance to ride it if I did not. Like I said, to my knowledge, I've never been on this attraction. It was it was a great ride. I you know, I can remember I remember going 
into these boats and like when you got on the boats, all you heard was organ music. If you remember the movie, or if you've ever seen the movie, the movie was probably a little bit before your time too. Captain Nemo plays the organ. And so this, the, the music when you got onto these boats was like ominous organ music. And I can remember getting on these things and they dripped a little bit, you know, so you had little drips of water leaking on. They were kind of damp, but, but then the ride started and it was, it was awesome. No, that's definitely a Disney treasure that I kind of wish we still had in the park, at least for one, uh, one go around. Mm-hmm. And they do, some of the, some of the boats are still around. I think that Disney moved a couple of them out to Castaway K. No, that makes sense. My first Disney treasure is, as I alluded to, it's Cranium Command, because this is something that I do remember. Uh, Cranium Command opened in 1889 at Epcot. Uh, went to seasonal operation in 2004, as we mentioned earlier, and then officially closed in 2007. This is one of the this is one of the attractions I wish would come back to Disney World, along with another attraction in the same area that we may hit later in the show. But uh, to give you just a a general overview of this attraction, you were going into the brain of a twelve year old child, uh, and so you would kind of enter from the back of the pavilion. You would see a lot of propaganda posters encouraging guests to enlist in the Cranium Command. Uh, the movies, you know, there's a movie screen in the room that would soon illuminate. And it would show you an animated segment uh, featuring the boisterous and loud general knowledge, uh, briefing his Cranium Commando troops. So you're kind of helping uh, the Cranium Command group navigate a day uh, in the life of, not Buzzy, because Buzzy is the animatronic that was taken, but you're, you're helping. I don't, I don't know that they ever actually told you the boy's name, did they? I thought they did, and now I'm trying to pull it up. But anywho, if they didn't tell you the boy's name, you are... You are navigating a 12-year-old boy's life at uh, the day in the life. And so you, you kind of get up, you skip breakfast, you're running to school after missing the bus, meeting and... Bobby, his name was Bobby. His name was Bobby's. Okay, yeah. so Buzzy is navigating Bobby's life for a day. Uh, and you were helping Buzzy move through the motions of a 12-year-old boy's day in the life. And so, I mean, typically you, as a typical 12-year-old boy would, you get up and you have to skip breakfast because you're late for the bus and then you miss the bus and... You meet and fall for a cute girl named Annie, actually, in the show. Uh, you, you protect her from bullies. You get involved in a food fight. You get sent to the principal. Uh, you get thanked by the girl and then get kissed. And when you get kissed, I just remember the scene. Everything inside his brain goes nuts. Uh, the, the whole the whole entire attraction, it's like his left brain and his right brain. The left brain being logical, right brain being wacky. And his stomach that are constantly arguing. I believe his bladder comes in as well. Uh, which which is referred to as elimination. Uh, so it's a lot of different parts of his body. Well, and and so the parts of his body. I mean, there was like an all star cast here voicing the parts of his body. I know you had uh, John Lovitz in there. You yes. had Dana Carvey and Kevin Nealon. Bobcat was in there. Yeah, it had quite the cast. Uh, and it's it's kind of a wild ride. It was actually one of my favorite attractions at Epcot. Now again, I was a child, so this was hilarious to me. Uh, but going through the emotions, whether it was his heart, his bladder, uh, his brain arguing with itself, trying to figure out what move next, uh, th- this attraction was one that kind of took the cake for me and encompassed not only the fun, but you did learn about the body as you were going through it. And I don't remember a whole lot about this attraction. I, I do remember going on this attraction because I can remember sitting in that theater and having you know all the animatronics all around kind of the screen you know because you're looking out his eyes basically correct right? correct and so i can remember all the animatronics sitting around the screen and talking 
I don't remember a whole lot of specifics about the show, but I I do remember the animatronics. Yeah, it, it is kind of interesting because you are looking through his eyes, uh, and it's about a 200-seat theater that you're sitting in, so you're in there with a lot of different folks. There are some funny parts. There are some intense parts. Uh, I guess stressful situations is how the ride or attraction rather tries to simulate what would be going on in the body. And I don't know. It's one that I actually, I, before the episode, I told my mom we were going to do this attraction, and this is one of her favorites. I mean, she you could you could hear it in her voice, uh, just her face lighting up as she discussed it as well. So, and and didn't Buzzy move around? Like, wasn't he? He did. So Buzzy kind of moved around as if he was controlling this body. I mean, Buzzy. Buzzy was in in charge of, you know, he was the Cranium Command. So he was kind of in charge of keeping Bobby under control, whether it was his heart rate, whether it was his emotions, his bladder, I mean, stomach, I mean, everything. Buzzy was doing his best to keep it under control. And RIP, Buzzy's no longer there, as we mentioned. And and Buzzy is no longer there. Well, so the next attraction that I want to talk about was also in the Wonders of Life Pavilion, this opened, I mean, pretty much the same time that uh, Cranium Command opened, and again, closed the same time Cranium Command op- closed when the Wonders of Life Pavilion closed. And this was Body Wars. You know, I, I actually had to look up when Body Wars opened and closed. Apparently, Star Tours was open before Body Wars. And these are very similar rides, Star Tours and Body Wars. Body Wars was a, was a motion simulator. Obviously a little bit different than the Star Tours because you are not in the Star Wars universe. Instead, you're shrunk down to the size of, of a blood cell, basically, and injected into a human body. And the goal of this ride is you're going in this human body to fight a splinter. And and that's what's explained to you in the pre-show, is that you're going to be shrunk down, you're going to be injected into this body, you're going to attack the splinter, and you're going to get out of there. Well, of course, hijinks and mayhem happen. You are... You go through some areas you're not supposed to. You go into the heart, into the lungs. Uh, you fight a, a white blood cell. And, and finally, you go into the brain to to recharge your ship to be able to get out of there. I remember this ride as being a lot more entertaining than Star Tours. And I don't I don't really know why I thought that. I, I think that it really gets back to Epcot was edutainment, right? So you you the point was you learn something while you're going on these rides, while you're going on these attractions. You know, you think of Cranium Command, same thing. Body Wars was designed to teach you about the human body. And and it did. It did very well. It taught you about the different parts of the body, taught you what white blood cells did, what they look like, red blood cells did, what they look like, how your body fights infections. There was a lot of kind of that edutainment aspect to it. I remember Body Wars really, really well. The splinter, especially uh, motion. I, this I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, this this was a motion simulation that I actually liked more than Star Tours at the time. It was just kind of this wild ride of helping the body and learning how everything kind of attacks the splinter. Now, it it didn't have you know Star Tours has humor in it, right? So I don't feel like Body Wars kind of had that humor in it. But I I don't know. I remember liking Body Wars more than I did like Star Tours. Yeah, I mean, th- some of the humor is definitely Star Wars based. Uh, however, C-3PO definitely had his, you know, jokes that the entire audience would get. And I don't remember Body Wars having similar humor. It-, it seemed more serious to me. But for whatever reason, the entire Wonders of Life Pavilion was one of my favorite places. So that's probably why I associate Body Wars as my favorite motion simulator there. Well, moving over to one of my second favorite Lost Disney treasures. 
if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard us mention it, Spectro Magic. I think this is the greatest parade that I've ever seen at Disney World. To give you some background, it, it opened in October 1st, 1991, ran until May 21st of 99, left uh, Disney World, and it was replaced by the Electric Light Parade, also a good parade. Came back uh, April 2nd of 2001 and ran all the way again until June 4th of 2010. So it had quite the stay uh, at Magic Kingdom and Disney World. And it's kind of a five-part story. Uh, it starts with the worlds of music from the Silly Symphonies. Uh, and then it, you have, kind of have the wonder of Sleeping Beauty's Garden, the fantasy of Little Mermaid's Ocean, the imagination of Fantasia, and the world of dreams in a grand Disney cavalcade. Uh, you see 45 Disney characters represented throughout the parade. And f- I think the music, the lights, probably my age at the time, made this parade stick out to me as something that was unbelievable. I mean, it, it was like the the most stunning thing I had ever seen. Mickey, of course, has a prominent role and one of my favorite characters, probably my favorite character growing up. Uh, and so to kind of see Mickey up close and personal, Disney ran this parade two times a night at that point. Uh, it, it was a nighttime parade. You could see usually maybe like an 8 o'clock and a 10 o'clock hour. We would see it both times. I mean, it, it's it, everything about Spectro Magic was the greatest parade to me. So I know Pete's a big electrical light guy. Well, and, and I feel like Spectro Magic was a very polarizing parade. I, I think there were a lot of people because Spectro Magic kind of swapped places with the Main Street Electric Light Parade a couple times, right? Correct. So you had Spectro Magic, you had the Electric Light Parade, you had Spectro Magic again, and then the Electric Light Parade came back. So Spectro Magic was one of those parades that people either loved or hated. They either loved it because of what it was or they hated it because well, this has come in and replaced the Main Street Electric Light Parade, and I can't believe that they would do that. I, I like Spectrum Magic, personally. I think the music from Spectrum Magic was, was phenomenal. But Spectrum Magic was kind of a different parade than the than the Main Street Electric Light Parade. I mean, it, it was... I guess it tried to tell more of a story than the Electric Light Parade did. So for you, you'd rather a parade just be a parade? Yeah, because... And, and here's the reason why. And you know you're talking about Disney here, because everything Disney is a story. Absolutely, but but my reason for that is when I when I watch a parade, and this is me personally, I'm I'm not sitting there watching the entire parade. You know, I may pop in, look at some of the floats. I just want to be able to enjoy the floats for what they are. And I feel like with the Main Street Electric Light Parade, I could I could really do that. You know, you get an appreciation for the floats and you move on. Man, I'm think so so okay. So let, let's dig into Spectro Magic. I mean, when Chernabog comes through for Fantasia. That's a ridiculous float. Well, I, I will say this. Spectrum Magic has the best music that has ever been written for any Disney parade. Okay, I can live with that because it definitely is. Hands down. And and yes, the Chernabog float, I mean, just the fact that the the wings, how the wings could, could <laughs> fold and unfold. Unbelievable. Was, was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know. To, to me... Magic Kingdom is not the same without a nighttime parade like Main Street Electric Light Parade, like Spectra Magic. Disney really, really needs to work on getting something back there because every time that I was at Magic Kingdom at night, no matter what I was doing, I mean, I could care less about the daytime parades. What's what's it? The move it, shake it, dance it, play it, party or whatever it's called. There's um the uh, what is a daytime parade? There was the thing called on fire. Festival of Fantasy Fair. Yeah, Festival of Fantasy. Okay, 
could care less about that. Like, no desire to watch that at all. That being Festival of Fantasy. Correct. Okay. But whenever I was at Magic Kingdom at night and and a nighttime parade came through, I would always stop to watch it. Now, I wouldn't watch the whole thing, but I would at least catch part of it. So, so I, I think Disney absolutely needs to get a nighttime parade back at Magic Kingdom. I totally agree with you. I do do believe Disney needs a nighttime parade. I will tell you, my reasoning may be different from yours. I know you pop in and kind of watch it. It's great if you want to ride attractions for there to be a nighttime parade. But Spectral Magic is one of my most cherished Disney memories. In that age group, my, my age, you're very impressionable. And Disney is all about kind of the impossible and things you've never seen and... The magic and that parade. I mean, at that age, you see Chernabog. I mean, that's kind of scary. Uh, you, you see, you know, Chippendale, uh, Mickey. Uh, you know, the little guys rolling around on their. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know what you call them. Little balls that kind of steer around. I, th- I believe they had those in Electrolight Parades as well. Well, here's here's the thing though, Tom. Spectra Magic was the first nighttime parade that you saw at Magic Kingdom, right? Yes, it would have been. So the first nighttime parade that I saw at Magic Kingdom was the Main Street Electric Light Parade. And, and I think that's why our opinions differ on this a little bit. Because again, that nostalgia factor weighs really, really heavily on, on your opinions. So, you know, that's what you remember seeing. And that's, that's what formed those memories for you at Magic Kingdom. For me, it was, it was the Electric Light Parade. And, and so that's why I will always say I like the Main Street Electric Parade parade better spectra magic may have been the better parade but for me those memories are there with the main street electric light parade we'll have to agree to disagree here let's go to your number three my number three arguably was the best ride at magic kingdom and that's a bold statement but i i think that this ride if this ride were to open tomorrow in magic kingdom there would be 130 minute waits for it because i don't think that in 1995 when this ride opened that the average Disney park goer was ready for a ride like this. I think now that it would be totally accepted because thinking back to my childhood and thinking back to going to Disney World when I was younger, Disney World was was an, and kind of still is seen as the kiddies park, right? Universal seen as, well, this is where you take your teenagers. They have the more intense rides. Disney was the kiddie park. So when the extraterrestrial alien encounter opened in 1995, nobody knew what to expect. I mean, Disney specifically put signs up warning, hey, this is really intense. If you have small children, if you scare easily, if you don't like dark confined spaces, you might not want to go on this because it's pretty intense. But people didn't pay attention and they, and they got off of it and were terrified and their kids were crying. And they were pissed at Disney. And that that doesn't make any sense to me at all. So this, again, opened in 95. It opened in the space that Mission to Mars had previously occupied. Mission to Mars was a theater in the round, and this replaced that theater in the round. Kind of a little backstory of this. Disney was really excited about this. This was kind of Michael Eisner's baby. He was really excited about this ride. It initially started off as a partnership with the alien movies. So the idea of this ride was that there was going to be an alien from alien that's transported to you. And the the ride was going to be called Nostromo, which is the spaceship in the, uh, in the original alien movie. Michael Eisner kind of lost interest. The partnership faded. And so Disney had to come up with a new backstory. And so what they came up with was there is a company called XS tech that created this new technology to transport people through space. 
So in the pre-show area, you see a, an alien named Skippy, which which carried over into the uh, Stitch's Great Escape ride. But you see this alien get transported. He doesn't make it quite like he should. So you move into the show area. The chairman of XS Tech is supposed to be beamed into you. However, something goes wrong. The signal's re-diverted through an unknown planet. All of a sudden, a, a huge alien is transported into this tube in the middle of the room instead. Now, at this point... Everybody's seated in these chairs. They've got shoulder harnesses on them. This alien gets transported in. You see the glass break, and the entire ride is becomes pitch black. And this is one of the big differences between this ride and Stitch's Great Escape is that Stitch's Great Escape, you can see for most of the ride. The extraterrestrial alien encounter was pitch black the entire ride. Pure darkness. You could not see a thing. Couldn't see anything. So you rely, I mean, all you could do is sit there and listen to this alien stomping around the room. A technician tried to fix the power and was eaten. I mean, I'm getting chill. I'm getting goosebumps right now remembering this because this guy was trying to fix the power. He gets eaten by the alien. You feel a warm liquid drip on you as he's getting eaten. You feel this alien walking around you, breathing on the back of your neck. So, of course, the alien's forced back into the tube. It explodes. You, the day is saved. But people came out of this terrified. I can remember this attraction, and I wrote it as a kid and actually liked it, which is, you know, I was kind of uh, a scaredy cat, I guess, at one point in my life. But this one never really terrified me to the point where I couldn't ride it. It's one of Matt's favorite, attra favorite attractions, so I'll try to do him justice as I talk about it, but I wish this never closed at Disney World because... I mean, look at what look at what it got replaced with. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it smushes, you know, Stitch's Great Escape. It's a better attraction. It's suspenseful. You know, worst case scenario, your, your, your child would be scared for the 20 minutes you ride it, and then you're, you're done and you never have to do it again. But, but again, this ride opens today instead of back in 1995. I think it's a huge hit. I think everybody loves it. People weren't ready for this at a Disney theme park back then. I totally agree. And I, uh, like I said, I, I, if this was still here, you wouldn't hear Disney, you know, called the Kitty Park as as much because even today, I know it opened in '95, closed in 2003. Even today, this would still be terrifying. Even if you've ridden it a hundred times, uh, because the you know the different seats you sit in, you may you may feel the alien step on your chair at a different time than you did the time before. I mean, it's 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 not totally random like a Tower of Terror is, but it it's random enough where you can't predict every little thing that's about to happen. And to Pete's point, it was pitch black. I mean, it was it is so suspenseful because you were just waiting. There's nothing to see. There's nothing to do. You are locked into this seat just waiting for this alien to interact with you. And and you think about how simple this technology was to make this ride happen. I mean, you had excellent speakers in, in the shoulder harnesses that came down, which which are still there today for Stitch's Great Escape. Well, they're not there Don't today anymore, but well, I'm with you. I'm th with you. They, they were. So you had the sound system. You had, you know, some kind of mister to, to spray water on you. And that's that's really it. I mean... There wasn't a whole lot to this ride other than, you know, what your imagination made you think about it. Yeah. So I, I really miss this ride. I, again, it was replaced with Stitch's Great Escape. Obviously, we see how well that worked out. I, I think that pretty much it's universally agreed that Stitch's Great Escape is the worst thing to happen to Tomorrowland in the last 35, 40 years. Where, where do we put... Tomorrowland Speedway, then, because that's still the worst thing to ever happen at Disney World. I don't think so. I think I think the Stitch's Great Escape is worse than that. I, you know, I think they replaced an attraction that that could have been a classic. I mean, it truly was the only scary thing at Disney World. Listen, I'm with you. I, I'm right. I, you're preaching to the choir. I wish they would have left it. I mean, you look at 
you look at a ride like Tower of Terror or Rock and Roller Coaster. I mean, I guess I guess those are more physical scary. I mean, this was this was a terrifying ride. Yeah, I mean, those are more thrilling to me. This was terrifying. That'd, that'd be the way I describe it. Splash Mountain is thrilling because of the drop. Tower of Terror is thrilling. Rock and Roller Coaster is thrilling. Alien Encounter was terrifying. But you want to talk about something that got your uh, got your adrenaline pumping and and got you just psyched up and ready. I mean, this this did it. No doubt, no doubt about it. So I I really regret that that this closed again. October two thousand and three, this ride closed, never reopened. November two thousand and four, so about a year later, it, it reopened to Stitch's Great Escape, and uh, and the rest is history. And and now Stitch's Great Escape is. No more. I don't know what they're going to do with the space. If they could bring back the extraterrestrial alien encounter, I, I would be pleased. Yeah, if they listen to our podcast, please take our advice. We feel like we have a good pulse on Disney. Well, at least our opinions. So moving to my last attraction of the evening, and if there's any theme you guys have seen, Pete has gone three definite attractions, and I've gone, you know, a show, an attraction. I'm going to go with another show at Disney World, Wishes. Uh, Wishes was a firework show initially that turned into a... Uh, projection show with fireworks uh, t- towards the end of its run at Disney World. It opened in October of 2003 and closed in May of 2017. So are are you including Celebrate in this as well? Celebrate the Magic? Yeah. I Yes. B- yeah, because Celebrate was a projection show that led into Wishes, I will inclu- I- I'm including that in the entire show of Wishes uh, w- with kind of my what I what I wished was wish was <laughs> no pun intended. What I wish was still here. But the show was hosted by Jiminy Cricket uh, in the Blue Fairy. It revolved around wishes of famous Disney characters, whether good or bad. Uh, Lights of Cinderella Castle would change colors throughout the show, reflecting different stages of the wishes narrative. Uh, during different parts of the show, you would see a wishing star firework was shot, cresting approximately a hundred feet above the castle's bright spires. Uh, while most of the characters in the show were only heard as part of the show's music track, wishes also featured an appearance from Tinkerbell which she is still in the show today, but she flies from the tallest spire of Cinderella Castle across Magic Kingdom. This is the the story that wish not I don't want to knock any, you know, Happily Ever After is a show there now. Great show. I've seen it in person, seen it plenty of times on YouTube, watched Disney live streams. Great show. I think Pete had a really good point earlier with, you know, kind of the first the first parade I guess I saw with Spectro Magic. Wishes was not the first fireworks show I've, I saw, but it was the first one that really connected with me. I, I think the music's great to Wishes. I still listen to some of the Wishes music myself. Jiminy Cricket narrating is fantastic. And once they added Celebrate the Magic, it's goosebumps. I mean, it's just, it's an unbelievable show. There are a few spinoffs of Wishes as well. You have Hallow Wishes, Holiday Wishes, uh, Disney Celebrate America that you typically see around 4th of July, uh, Fantasy in the Sky, which is like your New Year's Eve countdown, and then your Summer Nightastic. So it's just a touch different than than Wishes. Uh, and the projection show kind of followed as well with different um, scenes that were projected onto the castle. This is something I wish we could have back. As much as I like Happily Ever After, it, it wishes is still the number one for me. You know, you're you're sitting here talking about wishes, and I'm hearing you know the opening song with like the the little kids singing "Starlight, Starbright, yep. First Star I See Tonight." Yep, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, goosebumps. Yeah, that <laughs> um, that that was good. And and again, not to knock happily ever after because it is a good show, but um, yeah, I I don't know some something about wishes was. Yeah, no, I mean, see, it's like you have no words to explain it because that's how it is. I mean, he's speechless right now, thinking about. I can see him freaking, uh, you know, smiling about wishes right now. It's, it's, it's the greatest fireworks show that I've seen at Disney World. It, it smashes Illuminations. It smashes uh, any show you've seen at Hollywood Studios. Although 
the Star Wars Fireworks Spectacular is very good. Uh, just different. It's just different than Wishes. Some, something about Wishes takes you back to being a child, your Magic Kingdom. Uh, it's kind of the perfect ending to your Magic Kingdom day. Uh, so they will not bring it back, in my opinion. I mean, Happily Ever After is here to stay for a little while. Wishes had a great run. I mean, it was in the parks, and there were a lot of people that were calling for Wishes to be done. Uh, people had seen it a lot. It was a very similar show no matter which time of the year you went. It, it ran its course, and Happily Ever After certainly picked up the ball and kept moving forward. Well, now, so this wouldn't have been the first fireworks show that you saw at Magic Kingdom, though, right? No, because would not the, uh, have been. Fantasy in the Sky was playing. Right, for, and I that's mean, why I said. Fantasy in the Sky played forever. That's why I said Spectre Magic may have been the first parade, but Wishes is the first fireworks show that really stuck with me. Uh, it was not my first fireworks show that I saw at Disney World, but it definitely was the first one that was kind of eye-opening for me. Yeah, and I mean, that that uh, that one-two combo of uh, Celebrate the Magic and, and Wishes was uh You know, you saw that before something I special. did. Actually, you and your yeah. wife saw it, and you were like, dude, we actually, I remember we watched it on YouTube, and you were like, you got to see this in person. YouTube does it no justice. That was the first projection show that I saw. And, and you know, obviously Disney has incorporated that projection technology into Happily Ever After now, but Celebrate the Magic was the first time I saw that projection technology and, and it was so random we were walking through the courtyard in front of cinderella castle and it started up and it must have been the second showing it was late there was nobody around i mean we were right in front of the castle and we just stopped to watch it and it was it was amazing it was the most incredible thing i'd seen at disney world to to that point and at that point we probably weren't tracking disney as closely as we do now so you didn't really even know it was coming i mean it was by no sheer surprise no clue yeah so i mean i, I think um pete being speechless it is enough said about how much we, we love Wishes. Well, I mean, I, I I don't know, just the music. You know, I like the music for Happily Ever After, but the music for Wishes was, was phenomenal. Unbelievable. Unbe- I totally agree. It was absolutely unbelievable. So, and it's been gone a little over a year now? May, I think, of last year? Or, yeah, a yeah. little over a year. May of 2017. May of last year. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. It, it, seems like it, it seems like it was around for forever, and I don't really I think mean, it was. It was around for... 14 years yeah so that's, that's, i mean but but compared to compared to fantasy in the sky fantasy in the sky was around for 20 years 30 years i don't have fantasy in the skies run date in front of me or or run time but yeah fantasy i in think the sky Fanta- was there. i think fantasy in the sky was the first i think that was the original and it ran until right before wishes i'm trying to quickly pull it up but yeah you're definitely right i mean and it was something that that i saw growing up as well mm-hmm See if I can get the runtime on Fantasy in the Sky. How long did you think Fantasy in the Sky was there? I think Fantasy in the Sky ran from opening day, so from 1971 through when did Wishes open? 2003. So Fantasy in the Sky, I believe, 76 to 2003. I, that's a long time. But again, after that long of a time, you know, that a fireworks show gets pretty old, especially if you've seen it five, six, seven, eight times. Oh, I mean, yeah, so, e- even hundreds. I mean, there's people who've seen that hundreds of times in that span. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that was my last lost treasure of the evening. You know, going going through these really makes me sad about what we've lost. But you know, th- think of what we've gained in this time. I mean, you know, you look at uh, you look at twenty thousand leagues under the sea. We've gained. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train instead of that. Body Wars, we haven't really gained anything there. Hopefully, Yeah, Body Wars and Cranium Command, I think we can just say we've lost more. We've lost Buzzy. Well, and the Alien Encounter, Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter, didn't really gain anything there either. No, but you know, Disney does a good job of replacing what they move out. And for all we know, there were attractions that we've gained that we're not even aware that we gained through 
them moving these attractions out, whether it happened in the park in the same spot or not. Uh, these were shows and attractions that will always be cherished. And I, I think my biggest takeaway from this is that Disney absolutely 100% needs to bring back a nighttime parade at Magic Kingdom. No doubt. It made me reminisce on Spectro Magic and you on that and Main Street Electrical Light Parade. And I totally agree with you. Need need to bring one back. I mean, that was the, that was, you know, kind of the end cap of your, of your Magic Kingdom day. Yeah, it was a perfect ending. Perfect ending for a perfect day. No doubt. God, you saw the parade, then you saw the fireworks and you went home like that. It's just not the same anymore. I totally agree. Anyway, enough nostalgia. Would like to hear from you guys what you miss. You know, if there, I'm sure there's a lot of rides that we didn't talk about. I know we didn't talk about Mr. Toad. We didn't talk about Snow White. We didn't talk about the great movie ride. I'll give Pete credit. We didn't talk about the great movie ride much. I know there's a lot more things that we've lost over the years. If you had wings, you know, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about Mission to Mars, really. We didn't talk about the older Figment attractions. Exactly. So... Would love to hear from you guys what uh, what you miss from the early Disney days or from, from your Disney past. Drop us a line on Twitter. Drop us an email. Love to hear from you guys. With that, let's go to the trivia question and secret for the week. Yeah, so the secret of the week is another did you know. I'm going to roll with these, so I figured we might end 2018 or start it with a bang, actually, by the time this episode releases. But Disney World is basically its own self-governing city. Did you know that? Uh, to make Epcot its own real city, Walt Disney himself sought to gain some independence from the counties that his land straddled. He successfully petitioned the Florida State Legislature late legislature, to create the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which would give Walt Disney Company self-governance within its borders. This led to the creation of the cities of Bay Lake and Reedy Creek, which is now Lake Buena Vista, which are part of the RCID, the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Uh, Disney trivia question of the night. Uh, from last week, well, two weeks ago, I guess, we asked who was the first cartoon to receive a plaque on Hollywood's legendary Walk of Fame. If you even thought that we were a Disney podcast, you probably got this one right with Mickey Mouse. He was the first cartoon to receive a plaque on Hollywood's legendary Walk of Fame. We had a lot of you guys get this one right. Obviously, we kind of gave you a layup. Uh, I think this is another layup, but could trick you up. So let's see. It's a true or false trivia question. Uh, first time we've done a true or false question on the podcast. Uh, true or false, Disney World is the largest single-site employer in the United States. Submit your answers via Twitter at podcast or to our Gmail at www at gmail.com uh, with, with uh, your guesses there. you got a 50-50 chance, maybe a 75-25 chance if you realize what podcast you're listening to. Uh, one more note we want to pass on from Pete and Matt and myself. We just want to thank you for, for this year and thank you for listening to us. I know we've thanked you uh, numerous times, but want to continue to show our gratitude uh, that you guys have stuck with us. Uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas. I know it'll be a few days late uh, based on when our podcast releases and a Happy New Year because it will be 2019 when you were listening to this podcast. Uh, so again, thank you uh, from me, from Pete, and from Matt, who is unable to be here tonight uh, for just another successful year. Yeah, again, want to echo what Tom said. Thank you guys so much for listening. We, we really do appreciate it. We wouldn't do this without you. So a little bit on our schedule for the next coming weeks. We will have an episode next week. We will not have one the following week as Tom and I will be down at Disney World. And then we'll uh, we'll come back with a trip recap after that. So we'll have one more episode before our uh, before our trip. Maybe... Maybe squeeze one in down uh, down in Orlando. We'll see what happens. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. 
it may be a, it may be a short one. So anything else tonight? That's all for me. All right. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at Mendu WDW Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendoww at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have your time. We'll see you next week. 